listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the June 9th, 2023 Friday reading of the Ark Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. Today we will be reading the following main articles. Salida City Council imposes Poncha Springs sewer tap moratorium, written by Elliot Jackson. Bipartisan bill introduced to protect western water and agriculture, written by Jan Wondra. Salida Mountain Trails and Central Colorado Mountain Riders celebrate National Trails Day by maintaining Salida's Rainbow Trails, written by August Toves. And the leading cause of death of U.S. children? It's Guns, written by Jan Wondra. And Chafee County Landfill suspends collection of Freon-containing items until further notice, also by Jan Wondra, and following up with miscellaneous articles. We begin with the first article, Salida City Council imposes Poncha Springs Sewer Tap Moratorium. This posted by Elliot Jackson. Temporary moratorium only applies to properties that have not already been approved for sewer taps. The Salida City Council, SCC, at their regular meeting on Tuesday, June 6th, voted to approve Emergency Ordinance 2023-09, imposing a temporary moratorium on sewer taps for development in areas served by the Pancha Interceptor, the main sewer pipe running along Highway 50 connecting Pancha Springs to the Salida Wastewater Plant. During the public hearing, City Attorney Nina Williams laid out the case for the moratorium. It's unfortunate that we have to do this, but the Poncha Springs Town Board has left us no choice. Salida Water and Wastewater cannot accept more applications until the interceptor line has been widened to 18 inches. The necessary upgrades are estimated to cost $14 million dollars. Although since that figure was presented by Salida staff and engineering consultants to the Poncha Springs Town Board two years ago, it may have increased substantially in the meantime. There's a difference of philosophy here, Williams continued. Salida thinks that expensive development should pay its own way. Poncha Springs thinks that all current ratepayers should foot the cost as well. Poncha Springs maintains as well that under the terms of the current Intergovernmental Agreement, IGA, Salida has no right to impose such conditions. Last month, the town of Poncha Springs, as well as two developers, filed a legal action against the city of Salida over the issue. Attempts to resolve issue date to 2017. Williams traced the history of the city's attempts, starting in 2017, to warn Poncha Springs that its unbridled rate of growth was threatening the interceptor's capacity, and that unless steps were taken to amend the IGA between the two municipalities for sewer services, to the effect that new development would be paying for the new infrastructure necessary, Salida would be forced to impose the moratorium. The SCC, acting as Water and Wastewater Board, have a responsibility to current ratepayers and those not benefiting from improvements, which only benefit development in Poncha Springs, she concluded. 
This temporary moratorium only applies to properties that have not already been approved for sewer taps. Anyone who already has a sewer permit can go ahead and build. Also, any lots that were already platted as of April 2010. In our last correspondence on April 6th, we told Poncha Springs that we would have to go ahead with the moratorium if we didn't hear back from them within 30 days. That's why we believe we need to pass the moratorium today. An emergency ordinance needs a three-quarter majority to pass and is effective immediately, Williams concluded. I know you guys have to do this, and you don't have a choice, said Salty Riggs from the Betch Housing Advocacy Group during the public hearing, but this is going to have a big impact on our housing crisis. I'm afraid that if Salida is the only place people can build, people are going to get priced out. I don't care if you let Poncha win, as long as we get more housing, but you guys know what you're doing. I wish Salty would go to the town of Poncha Springs and talk to them, said council member Jane Templeton, because we've already been at this for years. I've been privy to a lot of these discussions, and we've had smoke being blown at us for a long time, said Mayor Pro Tem Justin Critelli. Poncha Springs officials scoffed at the notion of intense growth. I don't like being lied to, especially when we've gone above and beyond to deal in good faith. Poncha Springs doesn't want to put any onus on developers at all. Growth should pay its own way. I agree with Justin, said member Alyssa Pappenfort. I don't want ratepayers in Salida to have to pay for this. We've had to be the bad guys and raise rates to keep these enterprise funds healthy, but I'm not going to put this on Salida ratepayers or old Poncha Springs ratepayers. There's no affordable housing ordinances in Poncha Springs, said member Dominique Nacarato. If this were for affordable housing, I would feel differently, but that's not the case. Nacarato also sits on the Chafee Housing Authority Board. Issues to be settled in court. There's so much in this IGA that needs to be renegotiated, said member Mike Pollack. I think Poncha Springs has been hanging their hats on certain wording. I am more willing than the majority of the council to meet them more than halfway, but I realize that that's a minority opinion. I've been in construction for a long time, and development pays for its own infrastructure, not for the pipe a half mile down the road. This will get resolved. I guess it will be in court. One of the things that frustrates and disappoints me is that we had this great staff who was warning them about this, and we could have done the project at pre-COVID prices, said Mayor Dan Shore. Poncha Springs was the third fastest-growing community in Colorado, with a 33% growth rate over the past three years. No other community in the region is growing that fast. We do rate increases because we have to. We don't want to put Salida ratepayers in the position of having to pay an extra $50 per month for the developers in Poncha Springs. Cortelli made the motion to approve Emergency Ordinance 2023-09. Councilmember Templeton seconded, and the motion carried unanimously. Excessive Vehicle Idling Ordinance Dies, Public Confusion Over Intent. At the same meeting, the Salida City Council failed to bring up a motion to approve Ordinance 2023-08, which would have curbed vehicle idling within city limits to 15 minutes or less, after a barrage of citizen comment. 
Objections were made on grounds that ranged from deriding the ordinance as feel-good legislation to saying that it would be useless without teeth to enforce it. Others said that legislation did nothing to change behavior anyway, and some expressed fears that it might impose an undue hardship on the city's unhoused population who might be living in their cars. AVV has since learned that the original intent of the ordinance was solely to curb wasted fuel consumption and particulates emitted by excessive idling while unloading commercial diesel trucks, following CRS Section 42-14-105. The ordinance, as suggested by the City Sustainability Committee, which had passed on first reading, was modeled after similar ordinances in other mountain towns, with a goal of reducing pollution and health risks to residents. Sources confirmed that there was no thought given to contact or harass people living in cars, trying to keep warm, although the language is now viewed by some as being unintentionally overly broad. Although ultimately declining to bring forward a motion for a vote or amendment, SCC members pushed back on some of the objections. Regulations do sometimes change behavior, Critelli argued, citing seatbelt use and littering as examples, although pursuing an education campaign is probably a good thing. Templeton expanded on that theme. There are times when all the education in the world does not make one bit of difference. Littering is one example. People didn't stop littering until there were fines attached. Enforceability is not the litmus test, or we wouldn't have speeding laws. I think there are some ways that we can address this issue. There's no reason for people to idle their trucks for 45 minutes. People who live downtown can have delivery trucks idling for 30 to 45 minutes under their windows. I don't think education is going to do it. There has to be a two-pronged approach. In other business, the SEC approved a contract to JKS Industries in the amount of $341,365 for grant-funded asbestos removal during the 102 D Street demolition project and approved Resolution 2023-27, allowing camping in Marvin Park during the Crest Crank event in September. They proclaimed June as Pride Month and June 21, 2023 as the longest day to honor those impacted by Alzheimer's disease. During public comment, former Salida City Council member Cheryl Brown Kovacic announced a new nonprofit, Places to Age, under the banner of the Chavy County Community Foundation and their Senior Housing Fund. She noted that 27% of the Chafee County population is aged 65-plus, and that once a senior can no longer age in place in their own home, they are forced to leave the area for assisted care. Their mission? Bringing assisted living options to our community. Brown Kovacic then requested a return visit to a future council work session to provide more details. Salighton Mike Harvey of Recreation Engineering and Planning updated council members on the temporary changes being made at the Scout Wave, paid for with private money to control the wave's hydraulics during high water flows. He said that long-term solutions are also being worked on. That story, Salida City Council imposes Poncha Springs Sewer Tap Moratorium. 
And next up, bipartisan bill introduced to protect Western water and agriculture. This posted by Jan Wondra. Bennett, Buck, and Nagus cooperate to introduce the Water Act. Today, Colorado U.S. Senator Michael Bennett, alongside U.S. Senator Mike Crapo, Republican Idaho, and Colorado U.S. Representatives Ken Buck and Joe Nagus, introduced the Water and Agriculture Tax Reform Water Act. This bipartisan legislation reforms outdated tax provisions that hinder investment in needed agricultural infrastructure projects. It preserves tax-exempt status for mutual ditch, irrigation, and water companies that invest in maintenance and infrastructure improvements. As they face a 1,200-year mega-drought, farmers and ranchers in the West now more than ever are relying on water infrastructure to keep their land productive, said Bennett. Our bipartisan legislation helps ensure ditch and irrigation companies in Colorado and across the West are able to keep critical water infrastructure in good working condition. Thanks to skyrocketing costs, Idaho's farmers and ranchers are being asked to pay more for everything, including maintaining and operating an aging water infrastructure system, said Crapo. This bill provides the necessary updates to tax code to meet water use needs in the West. Farmers and ranchers in rural Colorado play a critical role in our country's agriculture industry. They should never be penalized for maintaining and developing their own water infrastructure, said Buck. The Water Act will reduce the cost of water by cutting the burdensome red tape that acts as a barrier to water infrastructure improvements. I am proud to join my colleagues in introducing the Water Act, a bill to support local farmers, ranchers, and communities across Colorado to maintain their water infrastructure, said Nagus. This bill will cut red tape and ensure access to critical water resources for our rural communities. The cost of maintaining and operating aging water infrastructure has skyrocketed. This has made it impossible for many mutual ditch, irrigation, or water companies in Colorado and across the country to operate solely on member income. The aftermath of wildfires and the flooding that can follow can also cause major financial hardship. Federal recovery funds can be used for new infrastructure, but there is no funding available for ranchers and farmers to repair their existing infrastructure, including what is often extensive ditch repairs. As companies have been unable to meet the 85% source requirement, many have been forced to put off critical infrastructure improvements, while a number of others have lost their tax-exempt status. This legislation would allow mutual water storage and delivery companies to maintain their tax-exempt status, even if they receive more than 15% of their revenue from non-member sources, as long as the monies are reinvested into maintenance, operations, and infrastructure improvements. In addition to Bennett, Crapo, Buck, and Nagus, this bill is co-sponsored by U.S. Senators Jim Risch, Republican Idaho, Steve Daines, Republican Montana, Cynthia Loomis, Republican Wyoming, and John Barrasso, Republican Wyoming. The bill is also supported by the American Farm Bureau Federation. That story, bipartisan bill introduced to protect Western water 
and agriculture. And continuing, Salida Mountain Trails and Central Colorado Mountain Riders celebrate National Trails Day by maintaining Salida's Rainbow Trails, this posted by August Tobes. On Saturday, June 3rd, Trail Stewardship Organization's Salida Mountain Trails, SMT, and the Central Colorado Mountain Riders, CCMR, came together on Methodist Mountain in Salida to celebrate National Trails Day and do some maintenance on rainbow trails. This marked their second consecutive year of celebrating National Trails Day by restoring rainbow trails. SMT is primarily devoted to maintaining trails for mountain bike usage, while CCMR focuses on trails for motorized vehicles. Both groups perform maintenance duties on multi-use trail systems and place a strong emphasis on ensuring accessibility for all user groups. Some 60 stewards gathered at Little Rainbow Trailhead, including representatives from the Forest Service, leaders for both SMT and CCMR, and dozens of community volunteers, both new and returning. In fact, SMT and CCMR had the unique luxury of maxing out their volunteer capacity in that they literally ran out of tools and equipment to hand out to participants. This is extremely rare for stewardship organizations like SMT and CCMR, said John Turbush, executive director of SMT. The primary focus of the day's work was drain management along an eight-mile segment of Rainbow Trail, which is co-adopted by SMT and CCMR. The adopted section runs from Pot of Gold to Bear Creek, but CCMR maintains all 57 miles of the trail system. This year, the crew concentrated on four miles of trail to the east of CR-108, as opposed to the three-mile section to the west of CR-108 that they worked on last year. Rainbow Trail was heavily affected by the Decker Fire in 2019, which left a significant burn scar on the trails and surrounding land. Consequently, the soil has become parched, leading to excessive water flow when rain finally arrives. This excessive runoff obstructs drainage infrastructure and results in the formation of half-pipe-shaped trails, according to SMT Executive Director John Turbush. SMT dedicates a considerable amount of effort to training volunteers so that they can perform maintenance work outside of officially scheduled restoration events, like the one on Saturday. In the last year, stewards trained by SMT have performed more than 500 hours of trail maintenance entirely on their own time. According to Turbush, this adds up to $10,000 in value added to the trail system. This is just a fantastic thing that SMT and CCMR have put together, said Salida District Ranger Perry Ellis, who oversees the 440,000 acres of the San Isabel National Forest. The perhaps unlikely union of motorized and non-motorized focused trail groups was a major theme of the day's events. While mountain bikers and motorized off-roaders may historically have a contentious relationship, there wasn't even a whiff of tension in the air at Little Rainbow Trailhead. Danny Cook, the trail coordinator for San Isabel National Forest, echoed Ellis's sentiments, remarking how nice it was to see different user groups coming together, converting user conflict. 
CCMR has a formal contract with the Forest Service to perform routine trail maintenance across central Colorado. In fact, according to CCMR Vice President Anthony Ware, they have adopted all the motorized single-track trails in Chafee County except for Pass Creek and Triad Ridge. As he ate his lunch and looked out at the volunteers milling about, packing their things away and enjoying the mid-afternoon sunshine, John Turbush expressed his satisfaction with the National Trail Day celebration, saying, It's not everywhere in the country, let alone the state, that you get a non-motorized group, motorized group, plus the state, plus the federal government, to come out and collaborate on stuff like this. That story, Salida Mountain Trails and Central Colorado Mountain Riders celebrate National Trails Day by maintaining Salida's rainbow trails. Also in the news, the leading cause of death of U.S. children? It's guns. This posted by Jan Wondra. Gun violence in the U.S. threatens our children and their future. Americans are in the midst of a gun epidemic, and it is killing our children. Just this week, two were killed at a high school graduation in Virginia. At the funeral of a 10-year-old girl, killed when a stray bullet from street gunfire went through the window of the car in which she was riding, shots were fired and more people died. A Christian school was attacked just a few weeks ago. The nation is only one year from the horror in Uvalde that murdered 19 children and two teachers. For the first time in history, it isn't childhood cancer or polio or poisoning or car accidents that is the leading cause of death of children age 19 and below. It is guns, or more accurately, the proliferation of guns, a growing gun culture, and the cultural tolerance of more and more violence. According to Statistica, the number one leading cause of death of children ages 1 to 19 is firearms. Along with a rise in gun-related deaths, the United States has been experiencing an overall increase in gun violence, including mass shootings, school shootings, and gun homicides. That rise in U.S. gun violence isn't surprising given the avalanche of gun sales, with the unit sales for firearms reaching a new high in recent years. In 2022, according to the Switzerland-based Small Arms Survey, there are about 393 million privately owned firearms in the U.S. In other words, 120 guns for every 100 Americans. That's more than any other country in the world by far. In Richmond, Virginia this week, a stepfather and his stepson, a new graduate still in his graduation cap and gown, were shot and killed. I'm tired of our kids getting shot, and I'm asking for this to stop. Just stop, said Superintendent of the Richmond Public Schools, Jason Camrus, his voice shaking with emotion and the mass shootings just keep proliferating. According to the Gun Violence Archive, as of June 7, 2023, there have already been 18,435 deaths by gun in the U.S. and 279 mass shootings, more than there have been days in the year. Some 118 children have been killed by guns and 282 have been injured. 
The National Rifle Association, NRA, which used to be run by sane human beings who promoted gun safety training prior to hunting seasons, now seems bent on arming every last American with an AR-15, or outfitting them with a ghost gun. Weapons of war that, when aimed at children in mass shootings, rip their bodies into pieces, liquefying their organs, so much flotsam and jetsam to be identified by their pink sneakers or striped nail polish. Legislation to prevent gun violence, crackdown on ghost guns, becomes law. Colorado has made a concerted effort to confront the rising tide of guns in America. Just last Friday, Governor Jared Polis signed into law Senate Bill 23-279. It will prohibit the possession, sale, or transfer of unserialized firearms, frames, and receivers, preventing further gun violence and cracking down on ghost guns into law. And that's all we have time for. Thank you for joining us for the Arc Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.